Thanks for tuning into the XL Legal Podcast, an interview-based podcast for lawyers devoted to practice excellence and wellness tips. I'm your host, Shelley Appleby-Ostroff, legal talent development consultant, writing coach, and former practicing lawyer, and I'm so happy you're here. Today, I'm really looking forward to speaking with Alison Wolf about what's causing the rising level of associate turnover many law firms are experiencing and how to stem the tide. Alison's a sought-after legal coach, writer, and presenter who helps lawyers across North America develop thriving legal practices. Welcome to the XL Legal Podcast, Allison. Oh, Shelley, it's great to be here. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for being here. I recently read the current report on the state of the legal market that reviewed the performance of U.S. law firms in 2021, and it sure paints a grim picture of lawyer attrition. Apparently, firms lost close to 25% of their associates in 2021. So with such incredibly high turnover. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on why associates are leaving legal practice. Great question, Shelley. And the stats are alarming. Hey, you know, associate retention is not a new challenge for law firms. It's something that's been grappled with now for for decades. And yet, here we find ourselves, 2022, looking at that 2021 report, And the numbers are even higher than before. So what is going on? So I have a few things that I'm thinking about, and I'm going to give them some some names, and then I'll dig into what I'm talking about. So one of them is culture shock. (laughs) The second one is burnout. The third one is career navigation challenges. So what do I mean by culture shock? Well, there's this whole culture of law firms, not just a culture. It's partly a culture. It's also a business model. It's also an economic model, but it's a way of operating our firms, our law firms, where, where the, the, there's been an increasingly increasing drive to push um, hourly um, the hours up to have very, very high billable hour requirements. All this to kind of drive the profitability model of the firm. And out of this has come this culture, this culture of law. For those people who have grown up in that and are swimming in those waters, which is this is normal. This is what it this is what it requires to be a lawyer. This is what it means to be a corporate lawyer. This is what it means to be a corporate litigator. This is what it's all about. We have to serve our clients, and our clients are coming from big institutions as well, with their own kind of hardworking cultures driving the firms. We're paying you a lot of money. We expect you to be able to turn this around fast. We expect you to be able to get this to us. We expect you to work hard and have hard numbers. And it's this whole, this ecosystem that has evolved and this culture of extreme hours. And what does this look like? Well, in one firm that comes to mind, this looks like a 2000 hour requirement, billable hour requirement. And what, and what kind of support are you getting? Oh, let's see. You've got an assistant. Great. And the assistant is supporting Is the assistant supporting one other lawyer as well as you? Two other lawyers? Three other lawyers? Four? Oh, the assistant is supporting six other lawyers. Wow. I wonder how much assistance you're getting on all that administrative stuff. So Hmm. I've got a bill, 2,000 hours. And oh, guess what? I'm pretty much doing all the admin stuff too, and the non-billable, and the business development, and, 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 and. So there's this culture that's evolved, which is, oh, hey, this, but this is normal. This is just the way law is. So then we have these, these young folks, these junior lawyers, right, who come mm-hmm. into law. And frankly, I'm going to put us in just 
lay language here. I really think they've got their head screwed on right. They've come out of a different kind of education. They've had different kinds of examples of leadership. They've had, they've ex- had a different experience of even parenting than, you know, those of us who are in our fifties, right? Late forties, fifties, sixties in, in firms. Those of us who came and helped build that, those cultures that we see today. And they come out of this with a fresh perspective and they get into these law firms. And that's what I mean by culture shock. Like, what is this? You know, I look ahead. I look at the partners. Let me look at the partners. Let look. What's the career path here? Let me look. Let me look ahead and see what's waiting for me down the line. Get through these initial years, right? Maybe I get into partnership. What does that look like? And you know, Shelly, for a lot of them, it doesn't look very attractive. Yeah. And they're right. It's not. Yeah. With all the hours, I mean, you think you get to a certain level in your career where you don't have to be worrying about the hours as much and those kinds of things. But from my experience, it seems like the partners are putting in, you know, the 2000 plus hours. They are. They absolutely are. And, and there is no, there's no, this is not a blame game. You know, I know those folks. I work with a lot of those folks, right? They, they, they came into this. They did their best. They've built their firms. They've, you know, they've, they've got families to raise. They got kids to put through college, right? They're doing their best. They're serving their clients. You know, they're trying to meet all the challenges, right? Yeah. And they're just as trapped as well. So what is this? This is, this is a fire alarm. Something here is not working, but there's more to it than this. So, but why 2021? So there is this element. I think there's that culture shock element, but there's another piece, which is about the change cycle. And, and this is interesting. And this is pandemic stuff, pandemic stuff in two ways. We're going to talk about pandemic stuff in terms of burnout, but we're also going to talk about pandemic in terms of the change cycle. So the change cycle, and for those who are listening and may not be familiar with it, we're, we're always in our lives going through some element of change and transformation. And in different parts of our life, we are in different areas in the change cycle. The first part of there's four kind of, I'm going to speak broadly about four stages of change here. Okay. The first one is catac- a cataclysmic event. The second one is dreaming and imagining. The third one is the hero's journey. And the fourth one is kind of full flight, right? The first part of the change cycle is when there's been a cataclysmic event and we're thrust into this unexpected territory. This can be a death. It can be a sudden job transition. It can be something happening with a family member. It can be a breakup. Lots of different kinds of things. The pandemic was absolutely a global cataclysmic event that thrust everybody in the world into square one of the change cycle. Whoa, our heads are spinning. Wow, we don't know what to do. What's going on? Oh my goodness, right? Vertigo. Everybody, all of us grappling with this in our own ways. This went on for a very long time. And here's what's interesting. When you start to move out of that you know, change site at that first square, you now you've got your feet under you. You're kind of, you're over your grieving. You're over that. What happens next? You are immediately kind of moving into this. What's possible? This place of imagining big questions start getting asked. And I 
do think that that's what we've been seeing in law. I do see this coming up, not just with the associates, but with the partners as well. I'm having conversations with clients at all levels of call who are starting to ask some of those big questions again, right? What is my vision? What am I doing here? Where am I going? And to me, this is natural because we've come through something that has shaken us all up and it's brought those big questions into focus for many of us in the context of associates and this retention challenge. Well, those stark, that culture shock, that experience they were having, then the isolation. And then the second, the next piece of this, the incredible volume of work that slammed into so many of these associates and and partners um, in the latter stage of this pandemic. Instead of it being like that lull, everyone was afraid there wasn't going to be enough work. And what did we see in 2021? We saw a phenomenal amount of work. We saw incredible hours. We saw people with no more boundaries. Everybody's working from home. They're working day, a- afternoon, you know, evening and and early in the morning. It it was it was nonstop, nonstop. Mm-hmm. So not only do we have this change going on, not only do we have people starting to ask the big questions, but it's also been shaken out because life has just been so, so difficult and people are exhausted. Yeah. So is it crazy to think that people are thinking now about, gosh, what am I doing here? What am I doing? Natural. It's natural. And I'm bringing up these points because these are points that relate, I think, to the surge in 2021. Versus some of the regular, you know, all the other regular challenges that we could get into, right? Which are uh, not knowing how to navigate a career, getting your first job. But there's, I like to say it's very, very hard, you know, in law, you need to find a number of things. You got to find the right people. You got to find the right practice. You got to find that, uh, that alignment of a firm that aligns with you and who you are and your values and what you're, you know, there's a whole bunch that needs to get aligned for an associate. And, Oftentimes we, you know, we just get that first job and then, oh, but I don't want to be a family lawyer or, you know, <laughs> I don't think bankruptcy and insolvency was my thing, but it's what I got hired to do. There's a lot of navigation also in the early years of practice. And it's essential to having a flourishing legal career to be able to navigate. But there are very few resources. And I know we're going to go get into this now. There are very few resources to help associates navigate. And we lose a lot for those reasons as well. Mm-hmm. So, wow. As you can see, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, yeah, like the perfect storm, as they say. Yeah, and then and then coupled with, uh, coupled or I, I guess um, you know, in addition to, I guess the the mindset of um, the junior associates of today versus the junior associates of my day. I mean, I was getting picking up laundry uh, or dry cleaning and going and picking up, uh, running errands for partners when I was an associate. Associates today won't put up with that, and rightly so. Uh, so, you know, like you say, there's just so many factors that really kind of uh, bring it all together. And something else that I read about, and I've noticed too that firms are 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 doing a lot more, is they're raising compensation. They're making um, associates or offering partnership to associates much sooner than I've seen in the past. But again, the report says that raising compensation isn't stemming associate attrition. So, what would help to keep associates engaged if? the sort of carrot of partnership 
isn't it? Uh, and just getting more money, isn't it? Great question. And the one thing the money is doing, I would say, our associates are being very, very careful and conscientious about when they leave their firms. They watch those numbers. They see the raising numbers. They hang in there for that period where, okay, great. We're at that point now where, uh-huh, the check's gotten caught. And now I can hand in my resignation. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm seeing a lot of that. Money is clearly not the answer when you listen to what the problems are, right? Which we, we just talked about. So what is, what is the, what is the answer? So I have to say in many ways, the problem of retention is, is a great problem because problems force us to innovate. Innovation comes from challenge. We grow and we learn through painful experiences. This is very true on a individual level, and it's also true on an organizational level, right? Cultural level. So this is, these are challenging times. And how are we going to respond to this challenge? I think the firms that can benefit the most right now are the, the, the small firms and the mid-sized firms, because when you're small and mid-sized, you're more nimble. You're mm-hmm. more able to adapt um, and transform your practice when you're um, at a smaller scale. So I see junior lawyers going into large firms, getting some of that, you know, going through those hard, tough years, um, and then moving to a different kind of platform, uh, more conducive to their life as a whole. And walking away from the money, reduce compensation, but in order to have a practice that aligns with who they are, their values, and what's important. So I think there's great opportunity at the small and mid-sized firm level. There's opportunity for large firms as well. It's just, it's a lot harder to steer those ships in a new direction because there's so much that's involved here. And I don't think we have the the time in this session today and our discussion today to get into it, but there's a whole economic factor and consideration here. The economic model of a firm, the overhead, how much, you know, how much money do you need to, um, to get to that magic time where you're actually in the profitability zone, right? What kind of hours does that require from the, from the lawyers? How many clients do you have? What are their needs? You know, there's some very important um, calculations to do here. And that said, I am seeing that small and mid-sized firms, they, they are able to dial back the need for those high hours. They're able to bonus um, when they get to that profitability zone, and they're able to provide um, quality work and mentorship uh, as you know, as well as a good a, a good compensation scheme. So I think there's opportunities there uh, for uh, for firms that are are looking at, hey, let's see if we can catch some of this talent that's leaving the big firms. Great, great. Yeah, good point. And is there opportunity for more individualized attention? Because I, I know that that's something I'm hearing from, from associates as well, is that we feel that they're just sort of a cog in this big machine. And they, you know, there's talk about a mentorship program, but it doesn't really meet their needs. Uh, you know, maybe they're getting good work experience, but are there opportunities for growth? Are they getting individualized attention? Um, you know, do, do they feel that the partners know what they're doing or are they developmentally sort of frustrated? So I'm wondering if just the size of the firm would help um, provide, you know, sort of more comfort there and, and give the associates more of what they're looking for. And the answer is not necessarily. Hmm. Um, and here we're getting into, and, and 
the reason, well, I'll answer why that is in a moment. The reason, now we're shifting our discussion into what I think is more that career navigation, career development piece, which is the problem that hasn't gone away for decades. Young lawyers coming into the profession, landing that first job, landing in whatever practice area they were able to get hired in, and then having to find their way to kind of right firm, right people that can be colleagues and clients, right work, right, you know, right, right uh, amount of work, right? That, that zone where they can start to flourish. And here's the thing that sounds like this, you know, is that like some kind of magic? Are we ever going to get there? Well, I know lots of folks who get there, right? Mm-hmm. I know lots of lawyers, lots of attorneys who have, who have careers like that. And you know what it required? It required a lot of zigging and zagging. It required some movement. Going to your point, you know, are they going to find that support in a smaller firm or a mid-sized firm? They may, they may not. They might find themselves working with an absolutely nasty partner. It happens. But what do you need? What's really important? Why didn't we, why haven't we solved this problem? Because even if our numbers were not sky high, like we were in 2021 with the pandemic, they'd still be extremely high. And yet, what we have mentorship programs in law firms, we have all kinds of continuing legal education. What's missing? And I know the answer, Shelley. Oh, I know please what's missing. Share it. Share it with us, Allison. <laughs> One, it comes from law being this precedent-based kind of profession, right? Everything's about how did we do it before? How was it done? Who's done? Who's doing what? Can we copy them? And so we keep going back to the same strategies. And those same strategies are, oh, if I could just have that one mentor, if I could just have that great one mentor, that one-to-one mentoring relationship. Oh, you know, let's give them a conference. Let's give them, let's get them in front of, um, you know, in back in a classroom. Let's get them, let's give them some education. We'll teach them, we'll teach them out of this problem. Well, we've, there's been a, so much of that. And how, how is that helping? It's not. And when we look outside of the legal profession, perhaps for inspiration, what do we find? Well, we find this whole body of research. Um, and we discover that this, this concept of mentorship being the be-all, end-all, that's really old news. Shelley, mm. I started to look back at the, at, the, at the research, and there's articles coming out um, in 2001. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's like 20 plus years now talking about how that kind of one-to-one mentorship isn't enough. And what's really needed is something called the developmental network. Mm, That's new to me. What is a developmental network? So I've got here, I just opened it up so I could read you the title. I want to reference one of the early articles from 2001. So the title is Reconceptualizing Mentoring at Work, a Developmental Network Perspective. And the authors of this were Monica Higgins from Harvard University and Kathy Cram from Boston University. And this was published in the Academy of Management Review in 2001. And what they talk about are the weaknesses of one-to-one mentoring. And we can, you know, here's what they are. When you were working one-to-one with a mentor, if you have one mentor or you have just another mentor, that's one perspective. That's one person with one lived perspective, one approach. You know, they have their own, <laughs> their own blinders on. Hmm. They have their own limitations. Yeah. And 
they also have their, you know, they, they're, and there's all that, what culture are they coming out of? What are, what's their mindset? You know, all of those things. It's just one individual. Even if you have one here or one there, and it's maybe if you're lucky, one lunch meeting a month. Hmm. How, you know, and so they started to look at what really does make a difference. And they, and they talked about developmental networks. So here's what a developmental network is. It's a, it's a diverse constellation of support for the individual. And by diverse, I mean, we are at, these will be colleagues. There'll be people from within the firm. There'll be from people from without the firm. There'll be people at my year of, of call, as we say in Canada, in the US, my, my level of seniority, or maybe junior to me and also senior to me. Right. There'll be people from different backgrounds, maybe different areas of practice. Maybe there'll be somebody who's from an an in-house counsel. Maybe it'll be someone from a firm. There's this diverse network of people and support with different perspectives and backgrounds and ideas to share. And they Mm. come together and they're there to support the individual in their own career trajectory. And this is a developmental network. So. We're not relying on the one-to-one, but you know, we're not relying on one or two individuals. What we have is we have a really great supportive network of people coming together to offer that, that help and that guidance. That's what really makes a difference. And I've got an article on the online uh, site, slaw.ca called Solving the Associate Retention Challenge. Um, and if the listeners are interested, they can go there and get some access to these articles because I've got the links up and I talk right. a little bit about this. And also I quote uh, somebody from the University of California talking about a developmental network and what these are. So when you can get this kind of diverse group of support around you, now you have like an exponentially better chance of success in your careers. And so I heard interrupt, Allison, but just that first, I guess, thought I have, just because I think I'm a little bit more old school than I'd like to believe I am, could it be confusing for the associate who had, who sort of got this whole constellation of support? There's people from all different areas. And I'm just sort of thinking of the associate in the middle thinking, well, who do I, what do I take from who? And sort of, is there a pecking order? And who should I be listening to? And I don't know if that ever comes up, but that is my sort of my first reaction. I appreciate that reaction. And in, in practical terms, that's not so much the challenge. Um, I believe that people will go and, and have different kinds of conversations with different kinds of people. They'll bounce ideas off of different, very, various different people. It, it enables and supports the associate to do their own thinking. I'm a coach, right? So it's really about how do we support the people in our lives, our clients with really doing their own thinking and finding their own truth and having this kind of diversity of, of perspectives and having different people you can reach out to, to, to run ideas past, I think helps support that, that the, the individual lawyer's thinking process so that they can start to come to their own sense of what's going to be right for them. And you're not going to have the same conversation or ask the same person, uh, different people the same question. You're going to go to different people for different things. Mm. Now, one of the challenges that happens, and this is, I saw this and I've seen this, is that in the lack of a, of a developmental network, there may be a, a one mentor, but we have is a lot of juniors, people going to their colleagues who are at the same level, 
of seniority and talking, they're all encountering the same challenges. And so there are these conversations, far from being a developmental network, what this is, is kind of like a coffee meeting group where you go for beer after work at 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night and start talking about how miserable your life is and how you know, I got to get out of law and everyone's around the table. is like, yeah, me too, me too, me too. That's not a developmental network either. You know, a developmental network is something more intentional than that. And how does one create a developmental network? I accidentally stumbled upon this in 2020 and I created one. So I'll tell you a little bit about that story. Um, and it started in 2020, um, and again, coming back to the pandemic and what we talked about at the beginning and the rise in juniors leaving firms, lawyers leaving law, I started having more and more and more conversations, pro bono conversations with juniors, junior lawyers about the misery they were feeling and experiencing in the law. And they were telling me about how they were having these conversations with each other. And they were all talking about how they got, would have to get out. And then horrifyingly, Shelley, I would hear about a senior lawyer who, you know, they might talk to who would say to them, oh, yeah, I hate law. You should get out now. <laughs> really helpful. And I decided I've got to do something. Working one-on-one as a coach, I'm working individually. I'm helping people to do those, to do that navigation. And it's too slow. One, you know, one to one coaching. That's not a developmental network. It doesn't get you fast, get there. It doesn't help enough people soon enough. So I was speaking with my coach about what can I do about this? And I decided to create something new. And I didn't know at this time about developmental networks. I actually discovered about six to eight months later, as I started to do some research that that's what I had stumbled upon. You know, instinctively, I wanted to bring together a whole bunch of these strategies that we talked about that are, you know, standalone strategies, but bring them together into a more holistic approach. So here's what I did is I created a group where we had coaching, group coaching, where we had mentorship, where we had education programs, and where we had community. So I I called this program Associate Mentoring Plus, AMP. And what we do is we bring associates in, junior associates, and right now the program's running with people from um, first year all the way up to eight years in the practice. We bring them together. We come together with a, as a full group in education sessions once a month on, on different topics related to kind of that career navigation to, you know, the challenges that arise practically in legal practice, dealing with difficult clients, dealing with difficult partners, um, how to, you know, how to manage, how to better manage the demands, the finances of law, all these different kinds of compensation systems, all these kinds of information that's going to help empower them. We come together in those education systems as in, in an education program once a month, but we also do these group programs. So we have group coaching. We've got these small cohorts. So you might be in there with four or five other, other lawyers in this and you come together with your coach and you talk about some of the stuff that's going on. And I tell you, Shelley, within a month or two, people are getting to know each other and they're able to have the kind of conversation that they're not having with anybody else in those small groups. They've got a coach, they've got colleagues from different firms and different practice areas, and they're really getting into, here are the challenges, how do we handle them? Mm. And then the program itself is also offering guidance on how do you navigate your career? How do you get yourself into that practice area that's going to be rewarding? 
what's the right kind of firm for you? You know, what do you need to be doing? What's your personal plan? How do you, what are the steps you need to be taking? But what's different about our little group versus that coffee or beer after work conversation is that the people who are involved in this, the coaches, the mentors have done it, have seen it, done it, law done better, have got their own experience on how they navigated their career and what they've created and have positive examples of what the future can look like which these young lawyers may not be seeing in their own day-to-day lives. And now they start to see how it can be done better. And mm-hmm. now they start to be empowered to take to take a hold of their careers and have agency over their careers. And what do we, you know, what do I need to do and how can I make that happen? And yeah. to me, that's what I stumbled upon was a very powerful developmental network because it's bringing in people who are positive influences, who've got skills and a, and a perspective that's going to be valuable and useful. It's got that diversity of, um, of practice area, of size of firm, of, of seniority. It's got that caring environment and it's built to be safe and it's built for confidentiality and it's built to be supportive. So that's, that's what I created in 2020. We're now Fantastic. in 2022 and, and it's growing. Um, and the goal is to have this, this is to have it go big. It's to have it go very big because we need, this is, this works. Now I, I've got testimonials that from my very first group, you know, a young lawyer said to me, Allison, I was going to leave law. And then I realized it, it, you know, it was a good choice and it is for me and I'm finding my way, you know, experience after experience after experience like that. Yeah. We don't see our, our, now at these initial, um, Lawyers who are joining them, some are paying out of pocket themselves. It's not real expensive, but you know, it is a bit of an investment. Um, and we also see firms putting their people in. And what's neat is the firms who put people in are already the, the firms, I would say, who are very interested in making a difference. They're investing in their juniors. They're putting them into the program. And you know what? Those juniors aren't leaving those firms. They're not mm-hmm. flight risks. The ones who are coming in on their own, we're helping them navigate and get into better places. And you'll see that's where we see some of the movement. And, you know, we've, we've got so many great success stories already. And why is that? What's the magic? The magic here is that it's, I think it's the holistic approach. I think it's that it's a little bit of everything. And we're not mm-hmm. trying, we're not trying to just play one strategy out. You know, it's mentorship plus, it's coaching plus, it's education plus, and underpinning it all. And I think the most important piece is that community which is the developmental network. This is where it aligns completely with the research. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also the positive approach. Because, you know, you're talking about um, you know, lawyers getting together for beer after work or whatever, and it be, ends up becoming kind of just everybody complaining about the number of hours and how they're unhappy, and, and that can become very infectious. And I just yeah. love the sort of that, that positive approach to it all. And it seems like one of your underlying goals is to help people certainly be happier, but also to, to stay in the profession, to not be so quick to, to leave just because it's not working in one particular firm, in one particular practice area, or working for one particular partner or whatever it might be. And Absolutely. I, because, yeah. yeah, it's hard. Career navigation in law is hard. It's really hard when you don't have that support. Mm-hmm. Right. It's hard. It's hard when you have only, you can only see into your own firm, 
where you don't have that ability to engage with people who are doing the law in a lot of different ways. It's, yeah. it's difficult. And so that's, that's why I knew we had to do something because it is hard. But I see that for many of these young lawyers, law is a calling. It wasn't a stupid mistake. It, it was a smart move. You know, they have the kind of skill set, they have the kind of um, aspirations, they have the kind of uh, strengths that, that align very, very well to the profession. And the, underneath all this is I am a crazy believer in the rule of law. <laughs> it's not perfect. It needs a lot of work. And I'm a crazy believer in it. And I don't believe that those who are called to the profession should have to suffer. Why should it be more miserable in law than it is being an architect or being, you know, a building contractor or being, this makes no sense to me. It makes no sense at all. It's, it's, it's ridiculous and it needs to change. And it's going to change with those of us who are finding ways of doing it better to teach each other. And to help each other and to lift that hand down and help the next person come up. Because I love these young lawyers. So <laughs> everybody I know and, and that I encounter, they're, they're, they are hardworking, committed, ethical people. And wow, who wouldn't you want to help support? And these are people who are going to make a huge contribution. So let's help them and let's make this something that is, a, you know, a good decision for them. Yeah, so they can yeah. have, they, they can, you know, they can, they can flourish in law and life. I mean, that's what it's all about. And I'm, I'm very optimistic. And maybe the word isn't optimistic. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Um, I'm, I have my, the reality is harsh. What we're helping these individuals do, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not easy and it is doable well, because there's that. so much we can control and influence. We, you know, they, it's within their hands and it's also within our hands, those of us who are more senior. Yeah, it's fantastic, yeah. Allison. And I, I'm wondering, you, you know, you mentioned that um, some lawyers are signing on, on on their own and others are being sponsored by the firms. I'm just wondering for someone who isn't sort of at that point yet that they can make that type of commitment to a, a program. And how long is the program? This is the other piece. So, you know, you see these standalones like, oh, we got this little mentorship program. We got this, right? And then we see all these education programs. And I, you know, I, coaches are great. And we see lots of great little pocket events or coaching programs that are six weeks, eight weeks. And when I developed this, I thought to myself, six weeks, eight weeks, two months isn't enough. It's not, it's, it's not enough support for enough time. It's a one-year program. It's wow. a one-year program. And what's happening now is as we're in, you know, we're, we're in two years into it now, the grads, the people who've come out of AMP, they don't want it to end. Like, <laughs> they tell me, you know, Allison, I can look at that date and my year is up like in a few months. And I don't know how I'm going to feel when I don't have AMP in my life anymore. So I'm trying to, with their help and support with the, with the members, is we're going to create a bit of a, a sort of an APRAE AMP, a, an ongoing AMP alumni program so that everybody can remain in community together. So that's coming as well, because a year is super, an amazing amount is established, and the foundation is 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 put in place in a year. And then what we want is we want there to just be that ongoing community of support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so important. So AMP is one year of... of and, and the other piece about this is it's not a make-work project. We're really... We have no illusions about how much time young lawyers have. Oh, I mean, 
We really have no illusions. So we're very conscientious about what we do and don't do. So um, we are very intentional. We don't have homework or assignments or that kind of thing. It's really about personal leadership and and applying different things in your own day-to-day practice, not adding. We definitely don't add. And in many ways, I think we subtract. Um, so we come together for that one education event and then we have those two group, co- you know, those two little gatherings of the, of the community. We call them group coaching sessions. Most people don't go to both. They'll usually go to one a month just because of time. Right. But that sort of, that, and we have the be, you know, the check-ins once a week, but it does take a year. It takes a year to really help bring all the different pieces together. We didn't have any illusions. I had no illusions starting out that this could be something that would be a, a quick fix. Hmm. Well, and I, like you say, the the one year seems to be so much more than what um, is being offered now in private coaching sessions, even sort of mentorships um, within firms. So I'm wondering too about are there little pieces that a lawyer could sort of do or search out for, or what can firms do anything um, to, I don't know, I guess mimic some of the things that um, that you're doing in the wonderful AMP program or generally with um, developmental networks? It's a great question. And I would love to tell you that that there's things that firms can create on their own here. There's one really big obstacle, um, and, and this is the obstacle, safety. It's safety. So in the AMP program, we're very careful in most cases, not all, but generally speaking, we try to keep people who are in the same firm in different small group cohorts. Because I like to say, you know, it's true, but law firms are leaky. You know, you say one thing to a colleague, you say one thing to a partner, and it gets out. So how do you create this kind of psychological safety in this community of support that's safe, a place to talk about and have these difficult conversations within a firm? Because partners in law firms, they're your employer. Right. It may be a, a mentor in your law firm, but they are your employer. And there's no getting around that. And that mm-hmm. is, that's a big challenge. So I believe that's a big challenge. It's a big challenge to have the hard conversations. It's mm-hmm. a big challenge. Yeah, yeah. I think that the, that you, the firms investing in one-to-one coaching is great in making that investment and ha- giving their the juniors access to the coaching conversations because those are those are protected by by confidentiality. Those are confidential conversations, and that certainly that certainly can help. It certainly can help. It's a, it's a good piece, but it's an expensive thing to do. Right. One-to-one coaching is expensive for firms. Mm-hmm. And it, it may not have the results that, that are being looked for. Right. And the idea, yeah, of lawyers seeking out, like mentors outside of the firm. So I, you know, I really took to heart what you said about the safety issues. What about whether they're, we call them mentors or advisors or People who are outside the, their own firm. Is that something that can be helpful? Well, that's been around for a long time. We're, now we're talking about one, we're talking about one-to-one mentors and sponsors, right? Mm. And that's always available and it is helpful. Oh, it's absolutely helpful. 
it'll help somebody think things through. It'll certainly provide a perspective, but we're back in that one-to-one mentorship dynamic that right. I talked about earlier. Um, I encourage people to go and dig into, dig into the literature about developmental networks. Juniors can create this for themselves. And this is how you can go about creating a developmental network. Um, and I'm going to use an example f- um, from, you know, I'm located in Vancouver. Let's just take an example of, um, let's just say we've got an associate who's a litigation associate in Vancouver. And let's say they're in their second year uh, of practice. And let's say they're at one of the bigger firms with a higher target. All right. So what could they do to create a developmental network for themselves? Well, number one, they could get involved with the Advocate Society. The Advocate Society is a great group um, that's, that's run across Canada with excellent education programs for, for litigators, right? Mm-hmm. They could get involved with that. They could get on the committee, you know, the young, they could get involved with the Young Advocate Society Committee, where they're now with colleagues who are in different firms and get involved with that. They could proactively reach out to three, four different people, four different mentors, potential mentors from different firms around town who they've seen, who are members of the Advocates Society and say, you know, I know you're a member of the Advocates Society, so am I. I would like to, you know, could we have coffee? I'd like to ask you just about your practice, right? Mm -hmm. They could start to, they could start to proactively identify these people. They could go out, they could have, and in the, in the community, I find people are all, lawyers are always happy for the most part. The vast majority are always happy to go and have those conversations, have them with people outside the firm, right? Um, they'll do it. They'll have coffee. They'll give you those insights. Um, you know, reach out and get yourself some one-to-one coaching, make a little investment, get a coach online. You see, you can build, you can build this community yourself. Right. And it takes, right. and here's the challenge. It takes, it takes a lot of doing. It takes a lot of doing. That's that's a number of calls. That's a number yeah, proactive, 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 proactive. But you can do it, and people do. Mm-hmm. But that is the kind of navigation that's going to help. But I think anybody listening to this, the juniors listening, they're going to go. I don't have time for this. I'm trying to like hit these targets. I'm exhausted at the end of the day. When can I be getting out there for coffee with so and so, or even joining one of these things? Or like, you know, it's a big ask. It's a big ask. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess firms could, you know create reciprocal relationships could try and set something like this up. You know, it's not impossible. That's why, that's why I created what I created to just try and just try and bring this together. Right. Concierge it as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, and I just love it. Uh, and how often like you had you, okay. So you started in 2020 and so when do, when does the program start and how like logistically, how does that all work? You know, Shelley, great question. So we, I started with kind of a rolling enrollment. So I started the first one uh, began was launched in, in October 2020. Then the second cohort launched in May 2021. Uh, the third cohort, I shouldn't say cohort, the third group mm-hmm. um, launched in, in November 2021. And, and that's where I changed it because the buildup for a launch and the sort of the open closing, that whole, that, that whole, um, uh, structure I found was, um, stressful, stressful, like, and difficult. And, and so now I just have a rolling enrollment. Um, we've grown from having one, me being the coach doing it all to now we have, we have a, a big team. Uh, we've got six coaches, um, involved. 
um, each running their small groups. I'm running the overall program and the education sessions along with my, with my team. And so we have this rolling enrollment now where people can join at any time and are, you know, you know, enter in and, and, and become part of the community. So we, yeah, we've stopped that. We have a, we do have a, um, an education cycle of events that we run through and we make sure that everybody runs through the full cycle of curriculum, but you can drop in and drop out at different times. And for, you know, periods, I I think that in, for instance, in, in April, I'm going to have a big group joining um, in April, then, you know, there'll be some curriculum I'll bring on board just for the, for that group that's joining uh, some important pieces around planning, et cetera, to give them a really great start. And then they kind of will join and be folded into the ongoing program with all the others who are already there and, and, and start, start connecting. So wow. that's how we do it. Wow. I mean, it's just everything about it is so innovative, Allison. And just, I see it as meeting so many needs and congratulations. I mean, goodness, I wish I were a junior. Well, maybe not because I wish I were a junior associate today, but maybe not <laughs> except <laughs> for the fact, <laughs> except for the fact that, you know, the AMP uh, program is available. So, wow. I'm so excited about this and so excited to get the word out. And um, yeah. You know, oh. it's, in, it's really easy for people to get cynical about transforming the practice of law. And because, oh, we've been talking about this forever and nothing ever happens. And, you know, the reason why, why this project, why this, this, why AMP, because goes back to what I said at the beginning, these, these, these lawyers entering the profession have their heads screwed on right. Mm -hmm. They're, they're being called to law for a really good reason. They have so much to offer and there's work to do. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's retain them in the profession. Let's empower them and help them. And let's work on doing this legal practice better. And it's it's not going to happen overnight. I think that in again the small and mid sized firms, we're seeing real transformation. I think we're seeing a you know a different ethos coming into play, a different way of uh, doing the accounting, a different way of um, you know deciding you know, how we want to create law budgets and what kind of degrees of profitability we're after. There's lots of good work. And what we're doing is we're empowering these, these lawyers to become partners in these firms and to be able to take their hands and, and take, you know, ownership and control so they can continue to start to, to build it better. Hmm. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Just wonderful. Just wonderful. So how can listeners learn more about the program and you and just all the wonderful things you've been sharing with us today? So I'd encourage them and if, Shelly, do you have a resource list that you that you have at the bottom of the podcast? Yeah, I'll have show notes and I'll add whatever you would like me to add. Okay, great. So um, I'll put the article that t- introduces the concept of developmental networks and talks a little bit about the challenges of the one-to-one mentorship approach. I'll put that in the resources there. And it has links to some of the the academic work, including that um, that first uh, article from back in 2001. I'll put Great. that there. And we can also put a link to the AMP for law. It's AMP, A-M-P, number four law.com, that site, which is the AMP site, which has got just a ton of information about the program. I started the program in Canada. Uh, we have a wonderful uh, attorney coach uh, who's involved, Laura McInturf, and she is actually based in Germany. So she's involved right now. Um, and uh, we are growing into the U.S., 
Uh, this is never meant to be a Canadian play. This is meant to be um, a North American and I do hope one day international uh, play. So um, come see, come see the website. I'm happy to have conversation with anybody who's interested. We also have a scholarship program uh, for people who are not, you know, really want to be a part of it, but can't afford the fees. And the, oh. the fees are not exorbitant. The cost is for the year is $3,000. We're set to $250 a month. And I mean, if, if, if you compare that to one-on-one coaching, um, anyway, yeah, <laughs> very reasonable. I can, uh, I can attest to that. So, um, fantastic, Allison. Thank you so much. And thank you for developing the program and thank you for sharing, um, all of your words of wisdom and insights with us today. And as I say, it almost makes me want to go back and become a junior associate again. And there's a lot to be appealing about that because you, there's some just wonderful people in the profession that are coming into the profession who are so great. I mean, the biggest gift for me is that opportunity to, to engage with them. And, and uh, it's, it is a gift. Oh, super. Thanks, super. Well, Thank you, Allison. Thanks for joining me today on the XL Legal Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'm always looking for topic and guest ideas. So if you have any suggestions for future episodes, I'd love to hear from you at xllegal.com. That's E-X-E-L-L-E-G-A-L dot com.